The goal of Greater Than Zero Percent is simple. It's finding people and organizations that are changing the world and sharing their story. And these changes can be smaller, they can be large. So we're looking for you all, you organizations, you people, um, that want to share your uh, impact on the communities that you're serving and get your story out there. So please reach out, we're really excited to get engaged and we'll see you soon. All right, welcome everyone to Greater Than Zero Percent podcast, where we find people and organizations that are changing the world and share their story. Today, we have Joseph Jojo Map with us, reentry case manager from Precious Blood Ministry of Reconciliation. That was a mouthful. Thank you for your time today, Jojo. Thanks for having me here. Yes. So, per usual, uh, we want to start with you sharing your story. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, my name is Joseph Mapp, as he said. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I graduated from Dunbar Vocational High School, was poised to go to college, but unfortunately I made bad decisions which caused me to become incarcerated. But since my time of incarceration, to move beyond my guilt and shame, I've constantly worked on myself. I went on to get a, two associate's degrees, a certificate from the University of Illinois through the Education Justice Project, uh, program, as well as uh, developed and f was a founding member and helped develop two essential programs, English as a Second Language program called Language Partners through EJP, as well as CAVE, Community Anti-Violence Education. But since that time of my release from prison this year, this January to be exact, I've become a part of Precious Blood and this welcoming community who really live out their modem, their uh, saying of restorative justice and giving me the opportunity to give back to my community. And how, how would you define restorative justice? Because it's, it's, it's not that popular of a term, but I think it is growing in popularity. Well, restorative justice seeks not only to heal harm that have been caused, but to restore the community to a rightful stance. So it's about building relationships with the community. It's about uh, bringing people who may have been harmed, who may have been stakeholders, and the person who done has uh, perpetrated a harm to the community and kind of resolving it in a different way. Not so much a punitive way, but a healing way. Okay. And I, th there's some terms that I, I remember when I first learned about this stuff, it was foreign to me. So what is reentry? Reentry. When you think of reentry like myself, I'm a returning citizen. Those are terms we like to be identified as instead of an ex-con, an ex-criminal or anything of that nature that doesn't encompass the whole person. So when you think of reentry, that's someone reentering society back from a penal institution. Yeah. And I've also heard um, some feedback from people of not wanting to be called an actual um, re-entering citizen because they don't feel like they're a true citizen. They don't feel like they've, you know, done their time, they've, you know, paid their dues and everything should kind of be back to normal and they could continue on with their life because they kind of reconciled for whatever actions they took. Is that something that you see often with people coming back that's a little bit harder to, to get going, to have the same access resources as yes. before? Yes, there's several barriers in place that makes it difficult for an individual to transition from prison life to society, free, what's called a free society. Some of those barriers can be uh, credit. 
if we think about a credit history and credit is tied to everything from getting your own personal cell phone line to renting an apartment to uh, getting a car or transportation uh, access to anything so when you think of these barriers it's stigmatized because you wasn't there such a large gap then you think about thankfully we are in contact with uh, receptive employment that's willing to hire individuals who had that misstep and doesn't do not look at them look at us I should say let me please yeah. <laughs> remember my situation yeah. do not look at us as if we are not worth taking a chance on but yes there are a lot of barriers and through Precious Blood and many other restorative justice hubs throughout the city we try to connect with individuals who are returning home and connect them to different resources employment being one yeah and then so your title is reentry case manager yes. what does that entail Okay, well, as a reentry case manager, my caseload will uh, include individuals from 16 to 29, and that's not a hard case line. That's not a hard caseload, because sometimes I can deal with someone 43 or 59 or whatever the case may be. That's just the sum of my caseload. But that entails connecting with individuals who are returning home, as well as connecting with individuals in the uh, community at, who are at risk. For, who are at promise for success. Let me change that. I hate the term at risk for right. failure. And I borrowed that term from uh, Susan Benzel. I think, I'm sorry if I messed up her name. But it entails trying to connect people and walk with them. One of our primary uh, core values at Precious Blood is accompaniment. So we try to walk with an individual through the process. We don't believe we're here to help anyone, but we're here to facilitate the spaces for, and for them to help themselves. And we're grateful that people allow us to walk with them. Yeah. Um, so Precious Blood, talk to us about this ministry and, and talk to us about the campus. Well, Precious Blood is a great organization to be a part of, and I'm not being biased. Well, I am being biased because <laughs> yeah. yep. I'm employed here. But it doesn't necessarily feel like a job. It feels like a privilege. It's an opportunity. Precious Blood Ministry of Reconciliation is a, this is a mouthful, a faith-based restorative justice organization. Faith-based, and that is part of the Catholic Charities, is headed by Father Kelly and Father Denny, a few priests got together to uh, form this organization, and we have sisters in this, uh, with us as well, Sister Donna, Sister Carolyn, Sister Janet. We have several different faith-based uh, sisters that play a part in steering this organization. Restorative justice in that, in that you've heard the term, restorative, and we're part of a network of other restorative justice hubs throughout the city where we collaborate with one another to try to ensure that we can deliver the best service or assistance to individuals as possible. Now here at Precious Blood, we have many or a multitude of programs. We have print, screen, uh, print screening, this is social entrepreneurship programs I'm yeah. talking about where we encourage individuals in the community to come and be a part of it and we help them develop their entrepreneur skills. So we have programs such as print screening, we have the art center, we had a mother brewing house, which if you watch the fundraiser, we had families forward. <laughs> yep. They help families moving forward. We have uh, workforce development, which we try to teach uh, or offer the space and uh, help individuals learn 
life skill job, uh, life skills to go on and gain employment. So it's a multitude, and we have the reentry team, and we have restorative justice team yeah. as well. And I, I think the most, another most recent um, activity or program you have here is the, is it the clay making downstairs or the wheel, the clay wheel? I saw that yeah. you guys are making some pottery now. Yes. 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 It's a multitude of programs. We have the garden. I can go on yeah. for the next five hours talking about all we do. Yeah. Just please go to our website, pbmr.org, if you wanted to learn more. And, and Stetson, and I'm sorry if I'm leaving anything out. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, one of a really good quote that I that Father Kelly has is hurt people, hurt people, and healed people, heal people. And I think what you mentioned of the role Precious Blood has in the community is to create a space where people can heal. Um, what are some of the activities um, that are kind of directly um, impacting or have healing as kind of the outcome over time? Maybe not immediately, but... See, in addition to all the programs that I've mentioned, our primary goal is relationship building because we believe if people feel connected to community, we can see one another in our humanity. As humans, we can tend to get over any differences and also come together to create opportunity. So some of the programs that, or some of the things that we utilize to create healing, it's healing circles. We have healing circles, and if you watch the fundraiser, Pam trained many of us to organize healing circles. And through these, we have community building. Something else we have is the Council of Men. Started here at Precious Blood, but it stands out to the community. And we have community members as well as police officers a part of this where we try to uh, meet once a month to determine or create ways to build more relationships with the community. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I, I know this is going to be hard for folks that are only listening via audio, but behind me is um, a couple pieces of artwork, and I'll grab them in a second. But before I grab them, um, do you want to talk a little bit about who did these and, and what the background is? Yes. Adolfo Davis is yes. another one of my friends first, co-worker secondly, yep. and he was incarcerated as a juvenile at the age of 14 and given a life sentence. At 14? At 14. Yep. But through that entire time, he had, he's maintained a connection with Father Kelly. He's man, maintained a connection with Precious Blood. And now, see, that's yeah. what I mean about restorative justice, because he's working here now. Yeah. He's, they commuted his life since, and he was able to come home and continue this work that he started on. But he's a great artist, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I, I know. I want to get it a little bit closer to the camera. I have to be careful with it. And also, people, I'll try to describe it that are just on the podcast. But um, it looks like it is showing... Um, it's like cut in half, and on the left-hand side you have, looks like the 14-year-old boy who looks like he's graduating probably from at eighth grade, and on the right-hand side it's him split up into um, his trial. It looks like with the doc's um, clothing already on him, and um, I think the biggest thing about this whole story is that he was 14 getting a life sentence, um, and, and that's something that um, I think Today still happens a little bit more than we know, um, but I think the stories that we hear in the news are more so of the actions that happen, but nothing that's after it. Um, so people don't really ask, why was this person put in the situation where we made the decision? And it's not to, um, to excuse them from the decision they made, but it's just to understand um, the, the, what some of these kiddos uh, grow up with and how different it is from a lot of other people that, um, yeah, have not experienced it. 
The tragedy in this story is that they gave him life without parole as if he wasn't redeemable. Right now, today, Adolfo Davis does a tremendous and great community work. He outreached, he, he organized the bike ride for peace that we did through the community. He constantly reached out to different individuals to build community. This is a person that have absent the removal of that life sentence with a set and wasted potential. So that's the danger, and not to uh, minimize anything that caused us to become incarcerated. Because believe me, we are uh, grief-stricken by that, but we're not paralyzed by grief. We find ways to give back, and, and thankful for the opportunity to be able to give back. Yeah. So you said that you just did one of the the, the peace bike rides. Or do you have any other events other than the fundraiser that just happened um, that you guys are having upcoming or that you are excited about? Well, you just caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah, no, so many events. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have to be honest. I've yeah. just uh, taken 17 participants uh, and family members from the community paintballing no as a way to way. build community. <laughs> and, and that was a... It was a heavy lift, and then it takes a lot of organizers. You, yeah. you yourself know, as setting up alone, how much organizing have to go into that. Yeah. But it was fun because we built uh, camaraderie, and it was a way to build proactive tools to get through the trauma that many of us experience daily. So that was a great event that I'm proud of, and I'm thankful yeah. for the opportunity to. Been, when was that event? Uh, the day before the fundraiser. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Paper Paintball get hurt sometimes. I was yes. on when I was younger. I got a lot of bruises from it. Oh, yes. And then we had fun. And that was the goal. And I think because of the hurt that you can receive from it, it teaches you about what choices to make and what not to make. It has to be consequences with everything. The great thing, it, it wasn't severe consequences. Would you go paintballing again? Oh, yeah. I, I used to go when I was younger, but next time y'all go, I would love to come with because it's fun. Yes. Okay. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to, to any listeners, and I, I don't want this to be a shameless plug, but yeah. the work we do, we're, it's joyful. We're grateful to have this opportunity to do this work, but it is costly. Yep. So if you can find any ways to donate, we uh, return a citizen may need toothpaste, toothbrushes, T-shirts, underwear, or anything of that nature where you can feel moved to say, hey, I want to contribute to this work. The fundraiser, you can still go to our website and there's still an opportunity to donate. Yeah. Yeah. I know the fundraiser goes at least through this month and until we hit the goal of, I think it was 100,000. Yes. So I think we're well over halfway there for the last time I heard. Yes. Um, and, and hopefully we'll reach there very soon. Yes. yes. Um, so kind of bringing it back, um, Father Kelly is, is kind of one of the, the heads of this organization and he's very dear to my heart. I've known him probably for five or six years, so not as long as many others. Um, but Talk to us a little bit about Father Kelly and your relationship and his relationship with this community. <laughs> Father Kelly loves this community. And I'm, I'm sorry for the shameless <laughs> smiling, but he's a person that I love working for, wit. He would have a fit if I used the term working for, yep. because he, <laughs> this hierarchy, he yes. strips away. Yep. And he's willing to take chances. Father Kelly believes that we're the closest to situations, so he allows us a license to create different programs and opportunities to try to extend and build with the community. Father Kelly is a person that will walk through this community, so he doesn't sit away in some office 
and stay disconnected and just punch buttons. He walk and he connect with the people in the community. He has a rapport. As a, as a matter of fact, because I had a schedule this morning to take other participants somewhere, one of my participants who uh, is currently on house arrest needed a ride to the center. Mm-hmm. Father Kelly could have asked anyone else to go get him, but he offered to go pick the young man up himself. Now, if that's not leadership, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah, Father Kelly's great. Um, bringing it back to restorative justice and, and reentry, um, do you see any improvement over maybe what it was like five years ago or 10 years ago, or is there um, kind of hope in that process and in, in some of the reform that not only Chicago, but kind of the country needs to make um, in the support that they give? Um, have you seen any changes or any progress? Yes, I have. Now, don't get me wrong, that's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah. It's a tremendous amount of work that needs to be done. But there has been progress and steps toward it. You have programs being instituted where allowing, I'm here but for the grace of God and because of some of the legislation that changed that allowed me to earn good time to be here even sooner. My scheduled release date was February next year, 2021. So because of the opportunity to earn good time through the policies that have and the legislation that's changed, I'm able to do the work that I'm doing now. And there's many more, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We have systems of registries and different nature that complicates the transition process. Best believe we have schools that that start to introduce and turn instead of the zero uh, tolerance mindset, they're turning to restorative justice. We have, like I said, with our council of men, you had police officers willing to engage with us and talk about it and try to change the face and how we view them and how they view us. So, there's a lot of traction to restorative justice. I don't want to take away from that. There's a lot of people doing a lot of work. That, excuse me. That's why I constantly uh, emphasize collaborations because we collaborate with many different organizations like you can also target area and different organizations, uh, New Life. I'm thankful for all the people we're able to talk to at the university. Yeah. So I, I'm thankful for this, and that's a lot of work and movement toward progress. But like I said, it's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Yeah, and I, I feel like COVID has brought probably some challenges, well, obviously some challenges to this process. Um, and a lot of recent events have caused a lot of polarization to happen where um, what you mentioned uh, with the, the, the part of this organization that works with the police officers, I feel like the only headlines that we see on the news now are ones that are just all negative about the experiences that are going on and the injustice that we're seeing. And so it's even harder to have a mindset of um, collaborating with the police and working with the police because that's kind of the, the answer. It's, I don't think it's um, just sharing all the bad stories that you hear about the police because that's not going to really help anyone. See, my understanding of that is if there's no communication, there can be no education. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of injustices happening, and I think that should be focused on, but I don't want us to have a mindset it's either or, that it has to be a zero sum, whether either you afford this or you're against that. I think it's important that we constantly strive, because when the communication stops, that means everything else starts. And it's important that we stay in constant dialogue. I appreciate the opportunity to bring uh, people who have 
uh, who are stakeholders in the community and have more community meeting, uh, community members sitting at the table and voices being heard about their concerns, our concerns. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of where do you see the reentry program here at Precious Blood going over the next six months, 12 months? Um, where, where do you hope it is, or, or do you just continue wanting to do what you guys are doing right now? Oh, no. We, it definitely needs to grow, and it is growing. It's in the process of growing. Right now, we have a hospitality house where we're able to provide housing for those who may don't have the opportunity to uh, obtain housing on their own returning from prison. We're growing and that we're expecting to open another building so yeah. to offer more uh, larger space. What I would like though, because sometimes what may seem to be underserved are women. Women who are returning home. And as well, we would, I would like us to grow and be able to offer housing for women as well as men. I would like us to be able to enlarge our campus so we can uh, assist and have a space for more people to engage in. I would like more people to uh, come apart and just come to see the work that's done so they can understand what really goes on behind the scenes. Everyone looks at the outcome, but the process is sometimes what's needed to be focused on. Yep. And the, you said the house that just opened recently, right across the street, what did you call it? The Hospitality House. All right. And is that kind of a two-flat, or is it? It's a two-flat. We have... Uh, two rooms in each apartment. It's mm -hmm. an apartment space. Well, it's a communal space, the living room, the washroom, but uh, individuals have their own bedroom, yep. the private bedroom to themselves. They don't have to share a room because after sharing space with someone for so long, yep. you want as much free space as you possibly can have. Yep. And what that is, is it's a program where we assist individuals. Like, we try to build responsibility so the first few months is free. Right. We try to uh, also help them get, obtain employment. And from, from obtaining employment, it's maybe a small portion of their check which goes toward rent. But in truth, they don't know this. It's that money is really being set aside to their savings. So when they transition out, the money that they pay into would pay toward the security deposit at first month's rent. Okay. So we're really just trying to help put people in a position to where they can have agency and be yeah. self-sufficient. And, and you and Father Kelly want to do that again and, and rehab another house or build another one yes. near this campus? Yes. We're, we want to build up the community. This is our goal to uh, restore this community instead. We don't want people to feel as if they have to move out. This is a nice area and we want to uh, contribute to its growth. Yep. And another newer feature I, I, I want to say of this campus is a peace garden out in front. Yes. Well, yes. well, well the peace garden, we constantly, and it, it's, it's a therapeutic space. Yep. Well, if you saw the maze out front in the mm -hmm. Peace Garden, and it's a nice little walk, it, it allows you to be reflective. It's a space to where it's welcoming. We hold multiple events. We may do a re-entry reunion, what we recently did, where we invited several people who've been incarcerated, and we offered food and music and a chance to build camaraderie with one another. We have events right now, we're looking to have a voter registration and a census drive yeah. at the same time, because we recognize what happens when people are not counting. And we recognize what happens when people's voices not heard. So we're looking uh, shortly in the coming month Pre, uh, 
before the election yep. to get as many as people registered to vote and to get as many as people to be counted in this community. Yep. We focus hyper-local. Yeah, and I think, th- and we've, this will be topics in future podcasts, but the importance of registering to vote and having your voice heard, um, I think is gonna be more important than ever. And I have, I have a feeling, um, quote me on this, that this election is gonna draw the, the highest votes people voting in a long, long time. I have just a feeling, because I feel like the conversation of, about voting and how important it is has never been um, shared as much as it has been on social media, on the news, in communities, um, signing up for the census, voting. Like, those are the two huge important things. Yeah, I believe so, I believe so. Sometimes uh, the community is disheartened about how how they're being received, how we're being received. So it's sometimes maybe difficult to get people to reinvest into this. But this is now more important than ever to get as many as people involved. Also with the census, when people are not counting, I've been told that that's 14,000 per person that may have to go somewhere else. And these communities, our communities, are in great need of these resources. So we're trying to get as many as people as counted and we're trying to get as many as people voice heard so we can play a part in determining our own future. Yeah. So how could people get engaged with Precious Blood if they want to reach out? Well, Precious Blood has a a website, pbmr.org. They can reach out that way or they can contact us on uh, Facebook, PBMR. Yep. One last thing that I just remembered when I said that is um, on your website, you do sell merchandise like the screen printings, um, the the fresh vegetables and fruit. I think one last time I looked and then the talking pieces. And the talking pieces are one thing that I think is a really cool aspect of the peace circles um, to bring up before we start wrapping things up. So like what is the importance of a talking piece and what is it usually? Okay, so peace circles has been around for a long time. They have been used by indigenous people to... uh, gather, congregate to make decisions about the plight of the people or also to restore or heal any harm. So we like to give reference to indigenous people around the world and what the talking piece does is when we uh, have circle is it gives focus to the person who's talking. It gives respect and attention to let everyone's voice be heard so that talking piece has significance. We use several talking pieces, whether it's a uh, peace symbol with the dove, whether it's the sequoia piece, sequoia with the bird looking back to show that no matter how far you go, you always should look back and connect to those who fostered and made these paths accessible to you. So the talking piece is very significant. And we also bring personal uh, artifacts to the circle Mm -hmm. to bring us in memories because we connect spiritually as well. Yep. And what are some of the topics or conversations or reasons that peace circles are formed between two groups or two people or two communities? So it can be a re-entry circle mm-hmm. to help people reacclimate back to society. It can be a healing circle because it may be some type of healing. It can be, and the circles can be used for multiple reasons. I can be dealing with something personally that may I may want to talk to individuals about, about how to make it through paying rent or relationship problems or family relationship problems. Peace circles are used in several different ways or even giving voice to people to be heard to let everyone know that their story and their plight and what's happening in their lives matter and we care. Yeah. 
Well, it's great. I, I think Peace Circles are one of my favorite things, a part of this organization, and um, read a lot about them, and they're really amazing from the healing aspect that they provide. Um, is there anything, we're wrapping up, is there anything that you want to leave with us before we, uh, before we go? First off, I think two things I think your audience need to know about you is that you're real cool because you have a name like Joe. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good name. <laughs> good name. Represents strength. Yep. And also you have good taste because we both wear the same shoes today. Woo! By coincidence, <laughs> not by design. Yep, by coincidence. But I, I would like the public to know that do your research or restorative justice. Look at trying, let's change the mindset, not always look at punitive measures for resolving a problem because it helps no one. It causes more harm than help because it does not resolve, it does not give you peace of mind and, and things of that nature. And before you look at a person and say, what have he, this person done, think about it. If we was judged for the mistakes we've made in our life and that carried us for the rest of our lives, we wouldn't be able to get far. A person that's able to exceed that was Nelson Mandela. He was incarcerated for 27 years and went on to be president. Yeah. So please look beyond uh, what a person has been labeled as and look at a person and get to understand what a person has been through. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your time. Reach out. PBMR has a Facebook, a website, an Instagram, all that jazz. Precious Blood, Ministry of Reconciliation, pbmr.org. Jojo, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Joe. I enjoy every time we meet. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube. And also to rewatch our other episodes and see what other great stories are being shared. Thanks again.